Hello everyone, welcome back to Tea Time Reports. This is episode 10 of season 1. This is our finale episode. And uh, we have our very first official interview. So we're very excited to say that we have Francis Carroll here, a.k.a. Butch, a.k.a. Pops. He's the uh, president or the, I guess, the runner of Fighting Words Radio Network over on blogtalk.com. We shout that show out all the time. We have our Tuesday show. Uh, They're on Saturdays and Wednesdays talking about a lot of uh, combat sports, so UFC, boxing, MMA, great show over there. But before we get into our interview, I'd like to say who we have here today. We have Caden, Logan, and Brady here with I, Trevor. Um, But we have a really special episode planned, our first first actual interview. So... Let's, uh, let's go ahead and get started. Caden, yes, do you have any uh, initial questions? For so, Pops, I've, I've known you my whole life. You're my, you're my grandpa, and you've been you know, a, a really good mentor to me and a, and a really good father figure to me. And I uh, just growing up with you has, has been, yeah, I would never want another grandpa. You, 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 are, you, are, the, you are the Pops. And the I just want to get, get started about um, you know, where would you grow up and uh, you know, what, what time frame did you grow up in? And... Tell me a little about yourself. Okay, so let, let me start out by saying it is very easy to be a grandfather to four great guys who are guys who do everything that they possibly can to make sure that their mother is safe, their grandmother is safe, and they work their asses off, whether it's at school or whether it's working or working and going to school. So with that in, that in mind, uh, let's, let's go from there. Uh, I grew up in a small town 26 miles south of Philadelphia called Chester, Pennsylvania. And Chester was a, a mecca at one time of a lot of really good uh, athletes. Uh, my cousin, my first cousin was uh, Danny Murtaugh, who was the uh, famed uh, manager of the uh, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Mm-hmm. My next door neighbor when I was a kid was, was Lou Krause, who was an excellent pitcher for the uh, Philadelphia A's and then went on to be the Philadelphia A's um, and Kansas City A's pitching coach and then his son Lou uh, who came right out of high school got a unheard of in 1961 $60,000 signing bonus Wow! pitched his first game pitched at one hitter oh, in, in, uh, against the Orioles the unfortunate part of that story is his mother died and plus she was watching him play the game oh wow uh, but uh, you know, it, it's been a, it's been a, a real life has been a real pleasure for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had parents who believed in me no matter what I did, mm-hmm. uh, which is that's what you need. Um, they, um, they, my father uh, was an athlete uh, when he was at uh, North North Catholic. Uh, I went to St. James, uh, went to St. James, and I, I, uh, my, I played football. And I played basketball, and I played uh, um, I ran track. But uh, the big thing about that was my first coach at St. James was the renowned Dr. Jack Ramsey. Uh, Dr. Ramsey was uh, just a, a tremendous person. He left uh, St. James and went to St. Joe's. But my next door, my other next door neighbor was Jack McKinney, and everybody knows that Jack was uh, an outstanding. Uh, athlete at St. James, went on to St. Joe's and under Dr. Ramsey became uh, a um, All-American uh, guard. Uh, he came back to St. James and, and taught 
Yeah, I had him for freshman English. And then the year after that, Dr. Ramsey got an opening and brought him on as assistant coach at St. Joe's. And when Dr. Ramsey retired to go to the uh, 76ers, Jack became the coach at, uh, at uh, St. Joe's and he brought a couple of my classmates, Donnie DeGiulia, who just retired from St. Joe's as the, elect, as the uh, athletic director, Steve Corton, who was a All-American out of St. Joe's, uh, uh, he was a uh, uh, he was also a, a guard, uh, and Tommy Gallia, uh, who set the record uh, for sports in uh, collegiate sports in Philadelphia with 60 points in one game. And where uh -huh. is St. Joe's located? St. Joe's is at 54th and City Line Avenue in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And where's Saint? School? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. And where's Saint? Uh, Saint James is Saint in Chester. Saint James uh, is that in was Chester. Your high school. Yeah, it was my high yeah. school. Yeah. So growing up and, and going through high school, and it, what were kind of the, the some of the big events that were going on when, yeah, in your yeah. youth? And you know, right now we have kind of the COVID COVID pandemic yeah, COVID, and yeah. Yeah. everything that's going on, the war in Ukraine. What was kind of the the comparison when you were growing up? Well, we had the Korean War, of course, mm -hmm. um, and. Um, then after that we had the Vietnam War, mm. um, and then closer to home, uh, at that point in time, for some reason, Chester had become a uh, mecca almost for for a Ku Klux Klan. Mm. Oh, wow. So the um, there was a lot of what, what they call race riots. Yeah. It wasn't really a riot. What it was was there was marchers from all over the United States would come to Chester, to Chester. and have and they would just sit down in the middle of the intersection and then the police had to take them to to uh, the armory which your uncle uh, uh, Bill uh, was the chief of police he used to have to uh, make sure that they were uh, you know that they stayed in one area till they got them to go to because they only had a couple buses they could take them back and forth to the prison mm -hmm. but uh, that was uh, so I guess, in a sense, like when you were growing up as a kid, you saw a lot of obviously a lot of tension, lot of tension in, in society <coughs> between just Injustices. different groups of people. That's, yeah, but you know, and it came down to to who you hung around with, mm -hmm. who the guys you went to school with, mm -hmm. whether you were going to be involved in any of that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I was lucky enough to be involved with guys that were into sports and uh, into just having fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, um, my senior year. Uh, I went with a, with a girl, I should back it up, I went with a girl from the seventh grade through college. And uh, uh, one Friday nights there used to be a dance at St. Alice's up in the Upper Derby. And the one guy had a car that we were able to go to. And what we would do is there would be four of us. Hmm. And somebody would start dancing with a girl and then you go up and you tap him out. <laughs> and, you know, and it, it really got to be funny because we got to be known as the tap out guys. <laughs> God. Yeah. That's funny. But uh, and as I say, and I, was, I pinned a girl and had a ring on her finger, but uh, things didn't work out. And I was, uh, I was uh, slumping around. And my buddy said to me, look, you set me up with this, my girlfriend. I'm going to set you up with somebody. He said, There's, we're going to go on a double date uh, on this Friday night. And uh, that was 19, 1963. Mm. Uh, January 14th, 1963, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> I met the. Uh, I went out on a blind date, and I can goddamn guarantee you 
that the woman was blind because she's still with me today. <laughs> <laughs> that's my mom for yep. yeah. Shout out to that's my mom, Top yeah. G. Yeah, that's years. Our grandma. Sixty years of being with one person for sixty years is, is rare. Is crazy. It's rare. That being said, I have a question yeah. for you, Pop. Nowadays, marriages just don't. Sorry, I don't know if you guys can hear me, but nowadays marriages just don't seem to be falling through. So, you know, what can what can you say about you know advice for you know younger people like us that you know how to stay strong into a marriage? How did you do it? We were committed mm. to each other. Uh, there was no uh, going out on Friday night with the guys just to yeah. knock a couple beers back. It was no uh, going with the girls to whatever. Uh, it was committed. We were committed to our family. We had we had three kids. Well, y'all had kids young as well. Well, so you had we got married at 21. Young. We had our first child at 22. Yeah, that's you know, um, and uh, that that really grounds you. But there are there uh, there's families that are out there that have children that for some reason go awry. You know, that's just somebody want, wanting to wander. Okay, if you find somebody that you're committed to. And you feel that there is something between the two of you, then you work on. You know, it's not always been sixty years. hasn't always been uh, roses. Mm-hmm. You know, I went through a bout where I was uh, getting promoted and, and uh, doing a lot of work, and uh, started with an alcohol problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way it stopped was I was told point blank: you either stop it or I leave. And that's the uh, that stopped my drinking. But that also grew, built, built your marriage a little stronger, though, because you guys, I mean, kind of went through the, yeah, the deadline, kind of went through the firewall. Well, I, th- I think the other thing is when we get married, the night we get married, I said to her, "Welcome aboard. I'm the captain of the ship." Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she said, "Oh, I need to tell you something." I said, "What's that?" She says, "I'm the admiral of the navy." <laughs> so, I almost feel like marriages that fall through. It's almost like. I feel like as a, a, a mother and father, you should the household should be about your kids. But I feel like nowadays it's always between the, yeah. the parents want to make about them about and not about the family. them and their career. Exactly, yeah. and I, I feel like that's the reason why you know marriages yeah. don't fall through is people don't want to put their egos to the side. People want to put their you know no. they, they want to be the they want to be the main character in the show. Right. But you, you have to support everyone else around you. Yeah. Well, let me. I, I can say this. When the whole time I've been married, I've been involved in politics. I've been involved in, in being a corporate officer and, and uh, being a, a supervisor. Um, and if you don't have that backing at home, then that's not going to work. Yeah. See, every strong man is a strong woman behind him. Much stronger. But that woman is a thousand percent stronger than I will ever be. I mean, the things that she's gone through, uh, both in childbirth and... Uh, uh, now with uh, her hips and her uh, scoliosis, um, you know it's uh, it's tremendous to to watch her just keep on going and keep a steady steady pace. It's always been a steady pace. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and uh, there has never been a, a day that you know what, what can really hurt it is when you have your three kids and you go to a ball game at the Philadelphia Veterans Stadium. You come down and there's two guys beating the hell out of a out of a um, security guard, Jeez. and she yells, she yells out, "Stop that! Get in there and, and help them!" <laughs> you know, that's, that's when you look around for the emodium because you already got stuff drifting yeah. up and down. Yeah, but uh, 
said, yes, I will help him. I'll run right down there and get a cop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's what um, I did. That's, that's oh, yeah. the smart play. Not much you can do in no. that situation. No. You got, you're about to join the guy. Yeah. yeah. But what is your favorite, Maybe I guess, jumping. moving back into sports, what's your favorite sports moment you've seen or been a part of in your life? The Phillies winning the, uh, winning the pennant. How did that impact you and your family? Oh. I had a father-in-law who was dying of, of uh, uh, lung cancer. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine was the, uh, uh, what was he, publicity director, Larry Shank. Uh, of the Philadelphia Phillies. Mm-hmm. I asked him for tickets and he gave us tickets to the uh, World Series. Wow. Now, my father-in-law had waited all his life to see the Phillies win something like that. And to be able to see him... Oh, he was at the game? We took him to the game. That's nice. nice. To see him and, and the joy it brought to him was absolutely... Uh, I, I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. Just how sports affect people's exactly. lives yep. Yep. Art. and that's, you know, that's part of the reason I can imagine you fell in love with just the, the, the complete art form that is sports people together exactly yeah um, you know there's some stories they used to have a, what they called a knot hole day mm-hmm. which you could take the whole family for a quarter yeah but a at quarter. that time a quarter apiece wow and now the tickets are a hundred hours <laughs> plus right what we did was we'd take a, a, a uh, cooler with our drinks and our sandwiches. They'd let you bring them in? And they'd let us bring them in. Wow. <laughs> when Uncle Jim, my father-in-law, uh, would go with us, he would uh, he could only walk so far and then we'd stop. Mm-hmm. And we'd walk so far and we'd stop. So we always got there an hour ahead of time. So we could be in it, because it was up in the nosebleed section. Oh, mm-hmm. man. And so we always made sure we could be there in time, be in our seats, for the uh, opening pitch, opening pitch, and uh, again, he he, uh, there's nothing he wouldn't do for his grandchildren. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, sometimes they'd be acting up, and uh, my mother-in-law would be yelling, saying, "You know, Adam," and out of out of the side of the room, you would hear, "For Christ's sake, cast they're only kids," <laughs> and that too. Uh, Help formulate how I should be a father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 People say you know being a parent is you know one of the hardest jobs in the world. You know, being a mother is the hardest job in the world. You know, being especially I can imagine how hard it would be being you know, be being a, a single father. And you know, it's good okay. that you have the support and backing of, yeah, of my mom. And yeah. What was it like just you know being a dad? Well, you know, it, it was really tough because uh, the boys grew up about the same. They were a year apart, year and a half apart. And when they uh, hit the age to be able to coach them, mm-hmm. I coached them in football, mm-hmm. and I coached them in basketball, and then I became the athletic director at Holy Rosary, and um, I coached uh, Frankie in, in high school mm-hmm. at uh, Saint Elizabeth's, and uh, uh, Bobby was a uh, was a athlete, but he was a runner. But he his, he would run. He was scoot. He never. He was never up on. He would never get up on the balls of his foot. It was always scooting. In fact, they gave him a, the team gave him a, a nickname of Scooter because of that. But he was all state uh, freshman, sophomore, and junior and senior year um, in uh, both uh, cross country and uh, uh, long distance running. 
Uh, what was the Bobby was the first kid, right? Mm-hmm. Now I can't imagine you know what it's like you know first getting the news that you're gonna be a dad. Oh man! You know, it's like I, it's, I heard some people do you know, that it's it's you know some of the, sometimes it's the best news in the world sometimes it's, it's not the best news yeah. in the world like no. you go through a lot of confusion when it was you first a, realize that you're gonna be. A it dad. was a thrill. It was a thrill. You know? um, the the better part was when he was born. Mm-hmm. I stopped and bought bought cigars, and I had to take my mother-in-law from Philadelphia down to Chester to to see him and on the way back I think I stopped at every cop that I knew every firehouse that I knew and I was giving out cigars <laughs> can we please fill out the cigars just give them a box and like take me to hell home <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, how many children do you have for the viewers five. that don't know five, five. Yes. and I know that you adopted two of them with my mom yep what was the decision on, on that. No, like, that was, was easy. That? Uh, oh, I'm sure it was easy. That was a very easy decision. We wanted to have another child. Mm-hmm. But after your mother was born, uh, my mom had some major problems, mm-hmm. bleeding problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, the doctor told us again, if we tried to have it, a natural child, that uh, my mom would die. Mm-hmm. And yet we want to expand our family. Mm-hmm. So we signed up for all the d- adoption agencies. and. It was very easy if you wanted to take a child that was either Down syndrome or uh, uh, disabled. No, not even disabled. Some major uh, psychological problems. Mm-hmm. But uh, we found a group that was called the Welcome House, and they brought children in from uh, Korea, mm-hmm. and uh, we signed up for them, and we went through their our own home studies, we went through everything, and uh, one day, Yason, who was our, our um, social worker, called up and said, I'm going to send you a picture, and she sent us a picture, and that was Jenny. Yeah. And uh, Jenny looked so forlorn. What happened with Jenny was her father, in Korea, the male, the youngest male, no, I'm sorry, the oldest male, once he gets married, has to move into his parents' house and take care of his parents. Yeah. And uh, he, unfortunately, uh, died. Mm -hmm. So the family threw him out, Mm -hmm. threw the family out. So she had, was her, her mother, and two sisters. Her oldest sister was old enough to get a job. Uh, Her younger sister was just a baby. So Jenny was expendable. Yeah. So the mother got on a bus and took Jenny for a ride on the bus. And as soon as Jenny fell asleep, she got off the bus. Oh my God. So she was found at the end of the bus line. Uh, they took her to the police station. The police station took her to the orphanage. And uh, she was in the orphanage for about six months before we adopted her. Mm. And then she flew over here. And uh, when she got here, there was a, a major problem in that she had something called interstitial pneumonia, which at first they, they misread and thought it was TB. So the poor kid had to go through a year of treatment for TB. Wow. And, uh, but, uh, and then, unfortunately, she developed a neurologic disease called Gilly's Tourette syndrome. That's where you, you see the uh-huh. different shakes or they'll, they'll start cussing or whatever. And we had to go through that, and um, at one point, 
we had to hospitalize her because she was in taking a shower and one major tick that she had, she was came through the, thank God we had plastic uh, um, slats uh, for the uh, closure of the, of the uh, uh, shower. She ended up on the toilet. So we put her in the hospital, they took her down on medication and brought her up on others. And I gotta say, there's a guy down in Wilmington, Delaware, he's still practicing, who is probably the, the best neurologist I have ever seen in my life. And I worked in pharmaceuticals for a long time, and I worked in the neurology section. And Chuck Bean, Dr. Charles Bean, S. Charles Bean, uh, is probably the best um, pediatric neurologist I've ever seen in, in my life. And I've worked with a lot of guys. I've done done programs mm -hmm. with guys where they, another guy was uh, Jack Pellick out of uh, the University of, of Virginia at Richmond, Medical University of Virginia. And he uh, he was tops. I mean, he he wrote constantly. Was was doing uh, studies and writing papers for companies. But uh, I, I understand you were once a drug rep, uh, yeah. correct? And you know, being a drug rep, you're on the road a lot. You're on planes a lot, flying around the country, driving around the country. Yeah. What are what are some of your you know kind of oddball stories just from traveling? You know, this you know this uh, this country just going around trying. <laughs> Trying to get in and out of Orlando, uh, out of uh, Atlanta, is without a the doubt. Airport or just yeah. the, the city? No, the, the uh, airport is just. Yeah. Uh, you'll fly in and you'll be on uh, uh, gate uh, G27, and your next flight is A12. You know. Oh, so you're done. You're oh, so you were it. just going. You tried. You tried. Yeah. Kind of run. Is that where your worst travel experiences have happened? Just getting Atlanta. caught up, jammed up. Um, just because yeah, you had to move for so. work. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I was with uh, Cyberonics, I was the uh, <coughs> national sales director. Cyberonics is a uh, had a pacemaker for the brain. Uh. So if somebody had had uh, seizures, excuse me, and this was in, implanted in their chest, they just put a, a magnet over it and it stopped the seizures. And uh, I I went from Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean, and then had to fly out to to uh, Hawaii. Which was flying from from Sarasota to Hawaii. Oh my God! Is a nightmare. How long is that flight? Well, it's six hours just to get to uh, uh, San Francisco. Oh, so you had a. And then it's another four. three, three almost four hours into. Did you have like you have to wait for your plane? What's it called? Layoff? Layover? Layover. Yeah, oh. do you layover? Oh my God! A lot of yeah, a lot of times. Well, were you awake the whole time or? Oh out yeah. Of, oh my yeah, because God. I'd be on my computer doing things. Mm. And one time I got stuck in uh, L.A. Uh, the tower was down and nobody was going anywhere. <laughs> so the airline, I said, look, you know, can you get me out of here? Can you get me out of there? I said, no. I said, we know that you're a frequent flyer. We're going to put you up in this hotel. There was a uh, Sheraton. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, well, I, I stay at Sheraton's a lot. So we go into the hotel. We get all, all tied up. And as soon as I get up to the room, the, the bellman says to me, oh, by the way, we have no water. So here's two bottles of water. Uh -huh. I said, so if I have to urinate or if I have any problems, I'm supposed to use this and I'm all supposed to drink this? Said, yeah. What? Nah. Take me back down. I tried to get my, my uh, voucher back and they wouldn't give it back to me. So I just went over next door to the Marriott and uh, stayed at the Marriott. Was, that, was, that was the worst experience. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> you've had just traveling around in hotels and stuff yeah yeah I used to they have a magazine in the back of, of the seats all the time and I used to look at the number one steakhouses in, in the country and I checked off each one really yeah, every place I wanted oh, to make really? sure I got there yeah steakhouse yeah it's the best steak you've ever had oh and uh, George's in uh, Georgia. San Diego San Diego George's in San Diego yeah they, okay being a drug rep, I understand there's, you know, you usually have to, you know, my mom's a doctor and she mm -hmm. talks about, you know, drug reps taking her out to dinner and mm -hmm. buying, you know, sometimes they fly doctors out to crazy places. What's the kind of the craziest thing you've done, you know, for a doctor just to buy a medicine or sign a contract? Well, it wasn't even that. Um, I was working with the CEO of the company mm -hmm. and we were in um, St. Michael's Hospital in uh, no St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Elizabeth, New Jersey and he knew that they were going to make a, a contract with us so he said to the lady who was the head of the nurses for uh, the neurology section have you ever been to Las Vegas and she said no he says do you have uh, any chance that you could um, get some clothing Together and meet us at our plane. We, had, we always he always flew private. Uh, you and three of the of the ladies, and we took. I was supposed to be home that night. Mm -hmm. We flew from from Elizabeth, New Jersey, directly to Vegas. Huh. We put them up in a suite, and you know took them out to dinner, and you know they wanted to play gamble. I said, yeah, good, good. Have a good night. <laughs> Going up, sorry, finished my my paperwork. It's like, you know, every night, I'd have 70, 80 emails, mm -hmm. and I wasn't gonna be up till three o'clock in the morning just doing the emails. So I went up and do my, my homework and came back down in the morning, had breakfast, and I said, "Well, we're ready to get home." Skip says, "Nope, got two more days." Oh, oh my God! I said, oh, I don't have any clean clothes. That's what, that's what you get laundry for. So we had to have our laundry done by the hotel. Two more Vegas though? I mean, yeah. How, how much, like, what was the Vegas. most amount of money? Was that the most amount of money you spent on uh, a doctor or doctors? Uh, yeah. No, no, I wouldn't say that. We took him to uh, uh, San Juan one time. Uh, Where's that? In Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Yeah, we left uh, Miami and went to San Juan. And... Uh, but I did, I gotta say, I, I did meet some really, really nice guys mm -hmm. that were neurologists and, and uh, neurosurgeons and general surgeons that, that helped us out. Mm -hmm. And uh, still have a have a running relationship with uh, with them. Talk to them maybe once or twice a, a year, at least once a month with some of them. Um, but they're, they're good, good guys. Mm -hmm. And you know, talking more about you know some of your your sports your sports connections and everything, I, I was you know wondering how did you really get into doing you know blog talk and just doing the radio show in general? I didn't. The, the radio show was started by your uncle Bobby and uh, two boxers, uh, Aaron and uh, Adam Jaco, and they wanted to. Um, yeah, they were just fooling around, and I had. A connection with the radio station and I said look do you want to do this program and they went out and talked to him and they came back they, that's how fighting words started but mm -hmm. the lady who was 
the general manager of the station thought that they should be called Boxing Buddies. <laughs> and Aaron says, do I look like I wear pink? <laughs> and she got the and then they started that. Then they got into a, to a situation where they're both running gyms and got extremely busy in the gyms and weren't able to make the this, this shows. So Bobby and I did the shows together. And then when Bobby passed, uh, I took over the shows. So uh, Aaron Jaco is a um, is an accomplished boxer. Him and his brother Adam, I believe, right? Right. How did you get to know the, the Jacos? Through Bobby. Through Bobby. Yeah, actually, their father Adam, I'm sorry, Joe, um, was uh, wrote. Uh, he fought Cooney. Mm-hmm. He fought uh, uh, a lot of the big fighters. Yeah. In fact, after his Cooney, he beat Cooney. And at that time, that would have been in the late 50s. Uh, 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 Jerry Cooney. Jerry Cooney, I don't think I did it. Yeah, he was an Irish boxer who uh, fought out of New York. Um, Jerry, once Jerry, once they, once he beat him, I think he got, his purse was a total of about $10,000. Mm-hmm. Nothing like the million dollars yeah, that are coming out now. But he had a problem, and alcohol was one of his problems. And he went out drinking with some people and spent 90% of it before he got home. Wow. So he came home with like a hundred bucks. Wow. And, uh, you know, he was, uh, later on, <laughs> later on, he's got pugilistic uh, dementia right now. Wow. And, uh, he was driving a limo. Mm-hmm. And he had an early call, so he went into McDonald's. And he ordered a uh, ordered a sandwich, and by the time he got to the second window, he fell asleep. Oh my! So the uh, deputy that was on duty there mm. came out to wake him up, and noticed there was a pungent odor coming from the car. So he got Joe to uh, park the car, and then he introduced him to the uh, Manatee Hilton Inn at uh, at the stockade. Oh my! <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I. Did you want to shout out Aaron Jaco's gym? Uh, yeah, it's uh. Where's it at? In uh. It's in Sarasota. It's off Forty One, just south of Constitution. Uh, it's uh. Oh man, I can't think of it now. I can't think of the name of it. But it's, uh, it's a tremendous gym. That's where I met Bobby Benita, um, uh, uh, Scotty Bowman from the uh, uh, Chicago uh, uh, Blackhawks, uh, uh, Rick Peckham from the uh, uh, Lightning, and uh, it's one or two, one or two other baseball. Oh, uh, God, I can't think of the last guys, the guy's last name, but. A lot of good, a lot of good people go in there. And you have so many connections worldwide, and for for people you know coming up and you know, just like us, younger people coming up trying to make their name and you know broadcast and, and trying to get to know more people and getting more ends. What's your best advice for those people? Just to stay your trade. Mm-hmm. Um, always be always be honest with people. Mm-hmm. Always keep a calm demeanor, yeah. no matter what. And uh, if somebody asks you a question, tell them the truth. Yeah. 
don't try and coat coat it, sugarcoat it, um, because that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel that's a big thing that we were trying to bring with this show. Obviously, is you know the harsh reality of things and just our Life. our thoughts, our unfiltered thoughts. But what what was your most memorable moment with Fighting Words Network so far? Who's been your biggest guest you've gone on? I know you get a lot of different variety of guests on different sports, but who would you say, like, who's been your favorite interview, and then maybe who's the most acclaimed guest you've had? One of my favorite interviews is um, Bill Berge. Bill is without a, or, or Ed Van Epp, uh, either one. Ed Van Epp is the most gracious, wonderful person you ever want to meet. You put a pair of pads and a, a hockey stick in your in his hands, he'll kill you. <laughs> um, Bill Berge has been a friend of mine since uh, 1970. And Bill, again, is the most gracious, wonderful person you want to ever meet. Take his shirt off his back to, to help you out, do whatever. Put a pair of pan, put a pair of pads on him, and a helmet. Uh, you know, he was the uh, he's the uh, uh, Hall of Famer, uh, NFL Hall of Famer, and he will tear your throat off. Wow. Mm-hmm. But they're they're two of the they're two of my favorites. Larry Boa, uh, everybody knows Larry. Larry was a uh, a, a shortstop for the Phillies, um, and probably the person that's uh, most impressive with the Phillies as far as their wins. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry Shank, uh, who was a our neighbor in, in uh, Delaware. Uh, <clears throat> poor Larry. Uh, Larry worked every single day for the Phillies. What, the neat thing with the Phillies is once you start with the Phillies until you die, you got a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're fantastic with people like that. Yeah. Um, Larry still, he's in a wheelchair now. He's, got, he's not able to go into the office, but he works from a, uh, a nursing home that he's in. Um, but Larry was Larry uh, helped Bobby when Bobby was taking the radio and the television communications in uh, school. Yeah. Larry set up uh, interviews for Bobby with the Phillies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Herbie Mann was another guy. Uh, Herbie was about stature about four seven, <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little maybe a little four nine. But um, he was the official photographer for the Phillies and the Eagles. And he would take us anywhere. He would take the kid. He loved the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy would be uh, Winky Cajulia. Uh, Winky was the underdog of the Philadelphia mob, but he thought that your mother was walked on water. How, how did you meet Winky? Uh, that's always been an interesting story to me. Winky is a you know old friend of yours and old Winky friend of the family. Had, had to have something to show the IRS that he had a job. So he had a fruit stand, and we used to buy a lot of fruit and vegetables and uh, lettuce. And uh, he and I became very good friends. And then I always took took the kids over, and he just he loved your your mother. Um, you know, he uh, to this day. I mean, he's he, he's passed away, but to this day, he could uh, if you said anything about Casey Boy. He would have. He would look just look over, and one of the guys that worked for him mm-hmm. would just start for you. Yeah, you know, he just didn't want to take, didn't want to, uh, you know, did not want to cross Winky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. Growing up in you know in and around Philadelphia is like. Growing up, I hear all these crazy stories from people who grew up in big cities, and Philadelphia is definitely one of those crazy places, and definitely a big city without a doubt. I know you didn't grow up in the heart of Philly, but mm-hmm. you definitely grew up around it and has the culture and you know, running through your veins. Mm-hmm. So how was that like? Oh, it was great. It was great. You can have everything you, you want in, in the city of Philadelphia. You've got the, the art museum. Mm-hmm. you got the, the uh, Boathouse Row. Mm-hmm. Where they have the sculling uh, weekends and um, they have big, big regattas uh, twice, three times a year. Mm-hmm. You had the Phillies, you had the uh, 76ers, mm-hmm. you had the um, uh, Stars. Yeah, Philadelphia uh, Stars, yeah. Yeah, um, in the Continental League. And uh, in fact, one of my classmates, uh, Jack McKinney, um, I'm sorry, Jackie Klutz, was the uh, coach for the Stars. Really? Oh, wow. He played for. Um, he played for um, he played for Pennsylvania Military College, and then he went went into went for the went to play for the Giants. He played for St. Louis, and he played for uh, came back and played for Philadelphia and retired in Philadelphia. Right, well, kind of played for all of our teams. Yeah, that's played awesome. For, played for Logan's team, yeah. played for our team, and then played right. for Trevor's old team. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but I know. You've obviously been in Philadelphia a bunch throughout time. You were recently there a couple of years ago with all of us. How how much has it changed? Has it oh, changed much or? It's completely changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for better or for worse? At this point, I gotta say that it, it's changed for the worse. Yeah. They have a, a unbridled gun problem up there. Um, just last Friday afternoon, two kids were walking down the street. Four guys jumped out of the car and, and put 40 bullets in them. Oh my God! I didn't even hear about it on the news or anything. No. Yeah. It's, it's so normal over there. You know, that with anything that's you know things that would be crazy are it, yeah, normalities, you, which is if you listen to okay. CBS uh, uh, Philadelphia, which is KYW, um, every third or fourth story is uh, about gun violence. Horrible. Uh, culturally, um, the what used to be. Uh, Old house, old tenement houses have all been torn down, and these beautiful condos have been put up. Um, Mama had a, a friend, Aunt Rosalie. Uh, her her grandmother had a place on Second Street, and uh, they called it a Father, Son, and Holy Ghost house because they had the house in the front. Yeah. Then there's a house in the back of that on mm. property, and uh, we used to go up every um, every New Year's day. For the Mummers Parade, mm. and they would sit out on the uh, on the, the curb. Yeah. From we would get there around eight o'clock, and we'd leave there about six o'clock. We would go down to Second Street, where they would have they play again, where Granny Granny had her house. Yeah. But you could walk from Market Street, fifty-four blocks south. And if you had to go to the bathroom, or if you wanted something to eat, or you wanted something to drink, every house on Second Street was open. Really? And you could walk in and do, you know, they would give you food, they would give you drink, wow. they would let you use their bathroom. Did you knew them? You didn't have to know. No. Just get people. People yeah. were nice back then. Yeah. If you did that now, you would get robbed for everything oh, yeah. you own. Yeah. Probably you killed. Just, you kind of have to be a little bit more harsh these days because mm-hmm. you don't know what's going on in people's minds yeah. now, which is mm-hmm. crazy. The, 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 one of the funny stories is that I used to work part-time for a funeral home, and I was... Working at uh, 
a place on, on South Philadelphia, in South Philadelphia. Um, and uh, it was uh, Sonny Verna, Severino Verna's funeral. Uh, Sevy was the, uh, was pretty much into the, the uh, lifestyle of South Philly. Uh, Frank Rizzo, when Frank was mayor, um, used to use his house, his, his uh, um, viewing room for meetings. But uh, we were standing there on New Year's Day because Sevy was wanted off. He was drunk as a skunk, mm. and the parade was going along. And they stopped. The flyers truck stopped. Bus stopped. And off comes Bernie Perron, the best goalie in the world at that point in time. Mm. And he had to go to the bathroom, so he ran into Sevy's place. Mm. <laughs> and I got a chance to meet Bernie Perron. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Just because right place, right time. I, I right? said, can I shake your hand on the way in? Because I don't want to wait to shake it on the way out. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> oh, Pop, a story you told me about um, about a, a big figure in sports, Muhammad Ali. Oh, you got God. a chance to meet him. That was that was a chance. Show of care. A chance meet. Um, my, <clears throat> my boss and I went to, uh, we're meeting at uh, the Marriott. Uh, at City Line Avenue, 52nd City Line Avenue. And we're in having coffee and, and uh, having breakfast. And in walks Muhammad Ali, sits right next to us. Mm, wow, that's and crazy. he's having coffee and I think he had poached eggs or whatever. And this guy comes over and he's bugging him and says, hey champ, give me your autograph, I need your autograph. And he says, I don't have a pen. So we had these purple pens. I said, here champ, if you want to give it to him. So. He did, gives it. And he says, "Now, do me a favor." He says, "What?" He says, "I want to finish my breakfast. Get the hell out of here." <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, like to him. So he turned to me. He says, yeah, "Here's your pen back." I said, "No, you keep it." You know. Uh, and, he, and he he just uh, he was the nicest person. And to that point, because of, of things that happened, I didn't really have a whole um, great idea about him. But once he I showed I found that. What a nice guy he was. It turned my whole thought pattern around. He's talking to you guys? Yeah. He sat and talked to us for another half hour. Wow. And uh, my boss's eyes are like this, <laughs> you know. Just talking with Muhammad Ali? Just talking, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? Chopping him up? I can yeah. imagine at that time there was a lot of hate towards him. You know, everyone Ooh. in America hated yeah. him because of him. He didn't change sure. his name. He, well, no, Dr. War. Dr. War changed his Overall, I think that's one of the greatest athletes of all time. People. Mm -hmm. In general, mm -hmm. one of the greatest people. Of Another good friend of mine um, is a fighter out of Philadelphia, uh, B Hop. You know, um, oh, Bernard Hopkins. Bernard Hopkins. Bernard. Uh, Bernard now lives over in, in uh, Delaware. In fact, I just sent uh, Ty and, and Zito out to have lunch with him. Mm. Um, he's another guy. He could do. He was on the program a couple times. He could, do, he could that. do stand-up comedy for hours. <clears throat> I mean, he was just so funny when we were yeah. talking to him. And, you know, and he was talking about some of the fighters that they just brought on. And he's, uh, he saved his, he saved his, uh, his shekels over the years. And one the, the way I met him was through Dr. Chris Panarella. Uh, Chris was a, uh, a dentist who, um, uh, was a fighter. In fact, when he was going through dental school, he used to fight three nights a week at the uh, Blue Horizon. 
and I was his corner man. Mm. We grew up together, and uh, um, Chris went on, and his his even his sons were boxers. Uh, in fact, his one son was going to box uh, Joey Giordello, uh, who was a tremendous boxer out of South Philly. But Giordello was was playing cards and was losing, and made him wait there. And uh, finally, Chris, in the the only Chris vernacular, got up and said, "You man, oh." We're out of here. And, uh, but he and, and Hopkins were friendly. In fact, Bernard had to, had a split in his teeth like uh, stray hands. Really? And uh, Chris uh, Chris gave him, put braces on him and closed that up. Um, now there's a guy who uh, I knew for 50 years before he passed away. And one time, he and Dr. Repesey and I went down to uh, Atlantic City to watch uh, watch a, a good, uh, I forget who was boxing at the time, but we went down to watch a good match. And I look over, and Chris is over with Jake LaMotta. Oh, my God. And Jake was going to be the color man for TV on that. Next thing I see is Jake standing up saying, I'll be the fuck out of you. <laughs> And I don't think he would have had a hell of a time doing it. Mm -hmm. But um, Chris also owned uh, the contract for, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, God. Did, basketball, uh, did boxing and then went on to do uh, television. Uh, well, I'll think of it when this is all over. But, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I mean, I mean, uh, we were talking a little bit about Bernard Hopkins, and Bernard Hopkins is kind of famed for being. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't he the oldest? U uh, not UFC. Was the oldest boxing champion of all time? He kind of surpassed George Foreman. He, he missed. He hit. Uh, he ripped past uh, Foreman by yeah, two George years. Foreman. He was yeah, 42. 42, 45? 42, Yeah. 42. Yeah. Who did he fight to? Do you remember who he fought to to win that? No. I think it was a big name. So, and you mentioned Jake Lamara. You, you kind of uh, did. Did you get to talk to him a little bit? Yeah, when I said I'm sorry, I'll get him away from him. <laughs> and that's yeah. kind of all you were. That's you all I wanted to say. He was. You could see fire in his eyes. I would back off from Jake Lamara. And Chris is. Chris was. Uh, Chris was ready to go. He didn't care. Chris, Chris again is, is a guy who um, he was he was the dentist he was a, the dentist for the jail he was the uh, entrepreneur as far as land was concerned um, he uh, he would give you he many people walked in his office mm -hmm. and got teeth done that didn't have a cent yeah. Uh, you know, he would say, you know, pay me when you can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And some people paid him in, you know, in food and beverage. Yeah. You know? Okay. A good Samaritan. <laughs> One, there was a, there was a uh, company in, in Wilmington that was a uh, purveyor of uh, fine liquors. Mm -hmm. And one day they found one of their full trucks missing. Oh my god. And 
the I'm trying to figure out how that the guy was coming up the Conchester Highway and uh, he had a chain coming down on the street and it was sparking mm -hmm. and the Conchester cop there's only two Conchester cops one day one night he starts after him to tell him that this thing was sparking. Mm -hmm. Well, the guy thought he was after him because he stole the truck with the liquor in it. Yeah. And uh, the guy was thought that he was going to go to, to he was going to pay Chris back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's going to pay him back in a whole <laughs> semi truck full of beer. <laughs> no, liquor. Oh, oh that. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Poor Chris. Chris was funny. So well, you know Dr. Chris. I do know Dr. Chris, yeah. yeah. So, Pop, so you obviously you, you're talking about how you grew up in Philly. And you're a big boxing fan. So, one of my dad's favorite movies of all time is Rocky. Oh, yeah. So, what did, what did that series, that franchise do for the city of Philadelphia? Uh, I want to oh. know kind of like what, what the city was like yeah, yeah, during yeah, the yeah. movies. Well, you know, actually, he, he, uh, when you see him catch that orange when he's coming through the Italian market, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. that wasn't written in the script. Yeah. Someone, someone just tossed him. That was something. Yeah, that's wow. just that's just the city, I guess. Yeah, at that time the city was was bustling. Yeah, um, it's prime. Yeah, uh, you know the, the the pictures they showed of the, of the house where he lived, that would have been up in Kensington in the small area, and where he trained. <coughs> Kensington now is just this, it's it's a zombie land. <coughs> it's it was uh, designated as the excuse me, the safe drug area. Wow. Yeah. And it's horrible. Wow. It really is. So, so, so going back to the, uh, <coughs> just living in Philly, you know, towards, you know, Philly when it was kind of in its hustling and bustling, full-on hard-nosed city. During the Rocky ages. During the Rocky era of Philadelphia. What was that like? Cause oh, it was great. Kind of a different ecstatic energy. Mm -hmm. it was, you know. Excuse <coughs> You had, uh, you had the coal people over here. You had the oil people over here. Mm -hmm. You had the banking people over here. Yeah. <coughs> and you had the shipbuilders over here. Yeah. And that's what that was the conglomeration mm -hmm. of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. That's what it was built, like built upon its foundations. <coughs> that and they had when I was a kid <coughs> up in uh, North Philadelphia. It was absolutely there were six beer companies that brewed there. Mm. Schaefer Brew, Brewing, Ballantyne Brewing, Ortlieb's Brewing, uh, Miller uh, Brewing Company, and what was the sixth? Schmitz. Mm. And uh, what happened was Schmitz got into to, uh, financial trouble. They borrowed money from the mob. And the mob then took over. Mm. But the nice thing with that was that if you did something, you went to jail. Yeah. Your wife got a check from Schmitz every week. Mm. Wow. And she got a, a, a delivery of groceries every week. Mm. Uh, they did take care. Angelo, Angelo Bruno was, they called him the gentle Don, and he was. Yeah. Uh, never, well, uh, one guy owed him, uh, a doctor owed him a lot of money from gambling, couldn't pay it off. Mm. And he was warned and warned and warned. And then one day, they uh, took him to uh, down to Second Street, laid him across the railroad tracks, Jeez. and then ran a car across his knees. Oh my God! And uh, that was a warning to everybody else. Mm. He wasn't yeah. playing around. Yeah. No. No. Probably this is our shit. Yep. Mm. Well, your uncle Buddy, 
uh, my mom's brother uh, ran the uh, they were racketeering for the Philadelphia mob. Oh and that's why that's another reason why uh, when I got married, mm -hmm. I knew there wasn't going to be any screwing around. <laughs> I ain't gonna be. I ain't gonna hit her. I ain't gonna do nothing. Cause <laughs> the man was a, was a, a he was a boxer. He could take care of himself, and uh, he would have taken care of me real fast. He told me one time, that's my baby sister. Don't you ever screw around on her? Mm -hmm. Don't you hurt her? You do anything else because you'll answer to me. Yeah. And uh, I said, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, indeed. Growing up around the mob, it, it, I could see that you know, it affects so many people and you know, a, a lot of the uh, you know, just a lot of the working class citizens in in some of the uh, some of the cities back in back in the the sixties and seventies and they, they did a lot of good but they also did a lot of bad and what was your experience just you know just being around that that type of just that watch world? it yeah you just you just stayed stayed friendly with everybody mm -hmm. and you never got involved with it um, that's stupid to get involved with it yeah um, but I I bought many lunches for guys I bought many drinks for guys. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, <clears throat> Frank Sheeran, who either did or did not kill uh, uh, Jimmy Hoffa, depending on who you listen to, <laughs> um, happened to be a, a friend of mine. Really? Um, he was a team shoot boss, mm -hmm. and I worked in, in my freshman and sophomore years uh, of high school, I worked at uh, Sun Oil, and I was a painter, yeah. and you had to join the Teamsters Union. Mm -hmm. And uh, his one of his best friends was my boss, and I got a chance to meet him. And then later on, when I was with Abbott, I would see him at lunch <coughs> sometimes, and I'd buy him a lunch, or he'd buy me a lunch, and uh, you know, not knowing what was going on. Mm -hmm. But at the time, he was involved in some really, really serious. Crap. Frank Sheeran, the Irishman. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. You know they made a massive biopic on him on Netflix, right? Martin yeah. Scorsese, the one like nine Oscars, <laughs> yeah. swept the house. Oh, oh, you know Joe, him? Joe yeah. Pesci. Oh my yeah, God. that was him. And that just movie yeah, for, based our views, on for our views, yeah, that's wow. yeah. the exact same guy Pop is talking about here. Yeah. Wow. Al Pacino. <clears throat> Robert De Niro was also in it. Who played him in that movie? Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro. That's him. amazing. That's a good movie. Did you get a yeah. chance to watch that, Pop? I guess we'll uh, have I to. Just, yeah. I just saw uh, uh, you parts saw of it. I saw the one where, uh, at the time, Hoffa was was uh, head of the union, and Frank shows up 30 minutes late for a meeting in in uh, Florida, and Hoffa says, "I don't wait for anybody," and he got up and walked out on him, and Frank said something to him, and he turned around and says, "I will kick your ass." <laughs> And then he just kept on going. And that was, I think that was Pesci was, was the, uh, played Hoffa. Mm. Probably, probably. Yeah. They, those guys all just play great mobsters. But yeah. that's yeah. insane that you knew some of these yeah. people that are getting these epic movies, like, yeah. not even epic, pieces but like these pieces of exactly. like art made about them now. Mm -hmm. Even down here, one of, the, one of the best friends I had was uh, a guy, uh, uh, let me think of his last name, um, Bud Carson. Mm. Bud Carson, if you just ask anybody who it was, they have no idea who it was. Bud was the guy who developed the Iron Curtain for oh, for, for Pittsburgh. Wow. Mm. Bud was the um, 
guy who helped the Eagles and and uh, Dick Vermeil um, get through uh, many many things. Wow! In fact, when Vermeil left uh, Philadelphia and went to uh, uh, the Rams, yeah, uh, he brought Bud with him. But Bud was his heart was so bad that he couldn't travel. Mm-hmm. And what they did was they set up a um, direct line from the stadium on field to his house. And Bud would make the calls from his house on what the next play would be. Huh. That's amazing. Super, super guy. He just knew the game that well. Oh, yeah. And his wife, uh, Linda, was the, uh, she for many years was the uh, um, afternoon and evening uh, um, person, uh, news person on the Channel 7 down here. Mm. You talk to a lot of people on your show already every time you're on, but for our listeners, what's the one message or lesson or value you've learned from your long journey mm-hmm. and something you'd want people to know? Like, What's something that... Just don't try to push yourself on anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, accept the people for what they are. Mm-hmm. Support the people that you think that... So always support your family and mm-hmm. your friends. If you're a friend, you're a friend for life. If you get screwed, then you're done with yeah. that person. Yeah. That's that's my mantra, and it's, yeah. that's what I live by. It's kind so of like, uh, how, like how my group of friends is. Like I don't have a lot of friends, but all my friends are like my brothers to me. Mm. And it's kind of like, it's a close bond, yeah. you could, so to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is um, that what you've had to like persevere through? Maintaining relationships that are actually worth keeping and trust, loyalty, you, you push that over a lot oh, of other things. Yep. Loyalty yep. goes a long way. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, Pop, I know we talked a lot about events early on in your life, but mm-hmm. I know a couple of years ago you had a major heart surgery. Mm-hmm. So why don't you talk about that and go through what that was like? Well, it was... <laughs> I lost 100 pounds. And I was, uh, I was working for Amazon at the time. And... My cardiologist said to me, you haven't had a um, catheterization in a long time. Uh, let's take a look. Mm-hmm. So we went into the hospital at, uh, I went under at 10 o'clock. He wakes me up at 20 minutes after 10 and he says, who's your heart surgeon? I said, I don't have one. He says, well, you better find one. Mm-hmm. You got right. 10 blockages. Wow. Okay. Fuck. So uh, I said, okay. So. I knew, knew a guy here in town who I thought was, was the best. And uh, he says, okay. So he got a hold of Tom. And Tom says, okay, take him through the ER. Have him, then have him call me. So I went to the ER. I went to, I, to make sure that I could have a, because uh, of my asthma, because I could stay under. They made me go back to Dr. Harcott, my, my buddy, my golf partner. Uh, and he's a pulmonologist. And he did the pulmonology test, and they said, yeah, you're fine. Said I went across the street to have a, a bowl of soup <clears throat> with mom, then left there, went to the ER, and told them I was having a heart attack. And they they did everything, and they saw that I was. And uh, they admitted me right then and there, and the next morning at seven o'clock, they opened my chest and wow. did a quadruple bypass. Wow. <clears throat> and uh, then after that, Seven hours after that, I was up walking around 
because they were making me walk around. Yeah. And came back, and uh, Craig was the first one to come into the into the unit to see me. I said, they're making me walk around. He said, yeah, you got to do that, get rid of the clots. So okay, so we walked around, and he said, I'll see you back on the floor. Wow. And I went from there down to the to the general floor, and then uh, they made me walk a couple times, and three days later, I was out of the hospital. Wow. What were kind of the, uh, the, I can imagine, you know, being delivered, that information's kind of like, Oh shit! You know what I mean. Like, what was your what were your first you know, kind of reactions to that? Well, I told him who the guy was going to be. I said, but you know what? If I wake up tomorrow morning and my name's in the obituary, I'm not getting out of bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, and you just start laughing. Um, and then you just um, you go with the try to keep yourself as calm as possible and anybody mm-hmm. around not as calm as possible. You and your dad came in, um, and I tried to you know make sure that you you know you were as comfortable with it as I was because I, I could see in your face what it was written <coughs> that you how were scared shitless. So how old were you when you had the surgery? Uh, let's see. 75. 75. And how old are you now for the viewers? 79 and a half. Wow. And what year were you born? 44. 1944. So you were 11 years old, Caden? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, going through and kind of hear about it at first and I was just like oh, fuck you know I mean that was my first reaction I was I was just kind of struck with you know it was it was uh confusing and you know you know why is it happening of all people to my grandpa at the time I didn't really understand it you know and I, I just knew from the start that he was going to be okay he was going to pull through so wasn't wasn't too many doubts on that one did you have any doubts pop no I knew it was in good hands um, uh, two years earlier, uh, I think it was a funnier story, and my mom had a uh, had pneumonia. Double pneumonia. Double pneumonia. Mm-hmm. We had to put her in the hospital. And her sats kept going down and down yeah, and that, down. That was, and I called Dr. Harcott, my friend, and he came over. And he t- Once he took over the case, everything turned around. Wow. And uh, I was sitting there one time uh, holding her hand, and uh, my... Uh, grandchildren came in and every one of them gathered around her and uh, just one of them came over and pushed me out of the way. <laughs> My bad, Bob. <laughs> you proud. pushed him out of the way? Yeah. I'm sitting there holding her hand he comes over and just edged right in, kept, cut, kept edging, edging, edging till he got her. <laughs> yeah, she was in good hands too, huh? you know? Yeah. So it seems like nowadays in hospitals there's a lot of malpractice. Oh no, uh, I a couple of years ago, the second leading cause of death in this country was medical malpractice. Yeah. Doctors not knowing what the fuck they're doing. The but luckily, you obviously had great ones. The, yeah. the secret to that is having uh, faith in the doctors that you're going with, making sure that they have the best education, and being friendly with them. Uh, uh, Tom Kelly and I have known each other for 33 years. My cardiologist I've known for 35 years. Uh, my pulmonologist, I played golf with him for the last 25 years, uh, 28 years. Uh, you know, and uh, I have no problem with, with the, anything those guys come up with because they're all, they're all uh, the cardiologist I have is the chief of cardiology is at Sarasota Memorial. Tom Kelly, who was the surgeon, was the chief of thoracic surgeon, surgery, and uh, Craig was was the, is the 
uh, chairman of the uh, um, intensive care unit as well as the chief of pulmonology. Mm -hmm. So I, I know I'm in good hands with when it comes to that. So what do you think was like your biggest takeaway from that? What did you learn the most from that experience? How to change you. Um, I don't know if anything. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm very, I'm the most uncomplicated person you ever want to meet. Very, very few things change in my life. Uh, and I try to maintain the same levels uh, no matter what I do. So it seems like, you know, even though you had a major, major surgery, you know, so a lot of people would freak out. It seems like there's no, another thing for you. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the neat thing was going back uh, for the, you know, the first time and people being there, I haven't been able to sleep for six weeks since mm -hmm. he did this. And it wasn't my guy, it was his partner. Mm -hmm. And I walk in and, and Tom would say, how you feeling? Great. Well, what are you doing for yourself? Nothing. It's the same as you told me not, not to do anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, he says, you know, I'm retiring this year. I said, yep. I guess after me, you're probably going to retire, right? He says, well, that's enough to make a decision, but no, nope, <laughs> I'm going. And, uh, but Tom was a, Tom and his wife, uh, Jackie, Jackie is a uh, pediatrician. They have ten kids. Oh my wow. God! Rivers. Yep. And every <laughs> morning. Every morning at six o'clock. <clears throat> even now that he's retired, Tom's at uh, um, church. Wow. For mass and devoted man. So, Pop, I know my mom's. You know, she's very religious. What are your thoughts? What What are your religious beliefs? And do you believe in a higher power? Oh. Same as hers. Mm -hmm. We we, all, we often have like you know debates on just like You're, what, what our gods are, what we personally think God is, and we always kind of come to at least me, I always kind of come to this conclusion that for me, my, my you know, what I would just I would call God is just you know anything that can't be explained. You, know, you have amazing things happening on a daily basis that. You can call it the universe, you can call it something's happening, but that's something with God. You can say we came, we evolved from, you know, animals and, and monkeys and stuff like that, but, you know, like, where, like, where did, like, gee, where we come know. from? Like, we don't even what, know. What gives something consciousness? Mm, and it's just there's so many questions to be answered, and religion is, no matter what religion you are, no matter, you know, what you believe in, no matter how strong your beliefs in, they should not only be respected, but there has to be something. There has Were to be you something. baptized Catholic? Or? Yes. Yeah. So and what church? St. Robertson. In, in, uh, Where's that? Chester? Chester. Chester. So what was being baptized like? I've always looked into that. And well, I was... Three weeks old, so I can't tell you. But um, my uncle was the bishop of the diocese, and uh, my other uncle was the was a monsignor, which is the next step down, mm -hmm. and pastor of uh, a very, very, very big church up in uh, Manoa. But uh, you know, as far as as religious concern is, I I live my life the way I was taught through the Baltimore Catech Catechism. You know. You made an image and likeness of God. Mm -hmm. um, I I have practiced my religion uh, in that I attend services every week. Uh, I abstain from eating meat on Friday during Lent, um, and uh, 
uh, take part in the sacraments. Uh, as far as uh, you know, you were talking about uh, the universe. It's funny because when when you say the prayer, Baruch uh, Adonai, that means Master of All Universe. Yeah. Right. And if you if the Catholic or the Christians say the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So it's, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's just uh, different words. Different words. We yeah. we talked a lot uh, on, on this on this very podcast in this very room a couple episodes ago about extraterrestrials and you know our thoughts mm-hmm. on space and one of the big things of religion and Christianity is they kind of deny the belief of aliens and uh, other life forms in our in our universe and I know we you know, we we've had our own personal uh, thoughts on this. What what are your thoughts on that? They they exist. Yeah. Just to look at all the, and it's not the Roswell thing or any of that bull. Mm. Um, just look at in the last year what they're allowing to come out. Now. Exactly, the Pentagon's releasing crazy videos of See? fighter jets, you know, following things that are making crazy movements that yeah. are unhuman. Yeah, you know, there's there's a, a funny story about extraterrestrials. Back in 19. 19- 79, mm-hmm. there was a, a deputy um, who was um, came on the air. He was traveling at, at uh, a high rate of speed down Fruitville Road in Sarasota. Really? And <clears throat> his supervisor um, at the time was uh, um, what who guy went on to be the sheriff, uh, Bill Balkwell. And Bill says to him, what have you got? He says, I'm following an, an, an extraterrestrial. Hmm. And Bill, the first thing out of his mind was, that son of a bitch is drinking on the job. Yeah. So they all, Bill takes after him. Two other cars come in. Uncle, Uncle Darrell was another one. And uh, they were uh, coming down. So they see his tail lights go into a, a uh, gated community, which is a, a golf community. So they all follow in. You know. Now they're only two minutes behind, but they can't see his can't see his car anywhere. Mm-hmm. They think, "Holy Christ, what happened here?" So they uh, everybody split up. One went by, one went by the other. They find his car. They find his car only because the lights are still going on, but he's under the water mm-hmm. on the first route. And uh, oh my God! Yeah. And his car gets, was in the water? Yeah. Would well, he like just drive off the road on accident or he was going so fast he missed the turn. Wow. Trying to follow something? Yeah. What? Yeah. And on Fruitville uh, Road. Which is and what crazy. did he say after? Did was he on yeah, I swear to God, it was a it was a terrestrial. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, why would he say that? I mean he definitely probably lost his job. He saw no. something. No? No. He went on to uh, he, and he is he was a tremendous and still is a tremendous guy. But he was a tremendous deputy, and uh, you know, maybe he wasn't drinking. Maybe he actually really saw. Something. No, he definitely wasn't drinking. I mean, maybe he wasn't drinking because they, they did blood uh, B A L yeah. Yeah, enough to make him drive in the water. Yeah, he must have been. He was flying. He must have been cap- oh, yeah. captivated by yeah, his things. You said you said a name I remember. Obviously, Uncle Daryl, and he, he was a fighter pilot, correct? And the uh, Daryl flew uh, uh, Air Force C ten elevens. Yeah. He flew um, uh, L-1011s for the uh, when he came out of the Air Force 
he flew for uh, Eastern Airlines, and then he decided he just wanted to be, he didn't want to fly anymore, he, he wanted to, uh, commercially, he wanted to be a deputy, and he, he joined Hillsborough County uh, as a um, reserve deputy, and then when the uh, uh, opening came in Sarasota, he took, took the Sarasota job, and then retired as uh, chief of uh, court services and jails. But uh, um, we want to send a shout out to him because he's not doing very well. He's uh, yeah, he's developed uh, Parkinson's. Oh. And, uh, um, when he retired from the, the air Force, from the uh, sheriff's department, the air force sent him a letter and said, "Listen, you're a crackpot, uh, uh, crackerjack rather, uh, pilot. Would you come back in the service for 12 years, no more than 12 years?" and teach pilots how to fly. Well, 12 years is still such a long time. Yeah, well, he does. That's a request. They must have been good. Oh, he loved it. Did he ever see combat in the air? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, uh... And then he was, the, the, the first job he got in the Air Force, and when he went back in, was he went to Nellis Air Force Base, where he taught uh, the uh, Top Guns, only oh. Top Guns. Wow. Well, he was a Top Gun instructor? What wow. t what time frame was he in the uh, <coughs> is he in the Air Force? Eighties, um, nineties. Yeah. Um, he originally was in would have been the seventies. Yeah. Then he came out and uh, he stayed in the reserves, and he became the uh, blue gold officer. In other words, he would go out and interview kids that want to go to the to the. Uh, Oh, he's a recruitment a recruitment guy. No, he he went out and talked to kids that wanted to go to the academy. Oh, so he'd recruit already. And, yeah, he would just within. talk to the he would just talk to the kids and he would decide whether they were eligible to go to the academy or not. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Uh, well, definitely a shout out to Uncle Daryl and hopefully yeah. he gets you know all the treatment and care he needs and our thoughts go out to his family and friends, obviously, including and his wife Mary is very good to him. Yeah, and, uh, she helps him out. He was always very nice. He let us into a McDill a bunch of times for yeah. those uh, dinners with a bunch of his service buddies. Yeah. And he, he was a great guy. Yeah. I, mean, I haven't seen him in a couple of years, obviously, but uh, you know, my thoughts go out to him. Yeah. But uh, what 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 was your favorite sports moment in history? Maybe you, you didn't have to be there or anything, but like, what was the thing you remember the most? Like throughout time, basketball, football. The last home game of World Series with the Phillies. Uh, you got your stepdad to go with you, correct? No, no, that was no, a different that was, time. That was the game before. Oh, okay. This was just Mama and I were standing up on the very last row uh, in the building, and it was raining like hell, and Steve Carlton slipped off the mound during his pitch. Mm. And uh, but he still um, McCarver was able to bring it back in, and they got that was the last out. Really? And uh, later on, I, I met Tim again. Tim was living down on uh, Siesta Key, and uh, uh, in fact, Bobby Clark is living on Siesta Key. But I met uh, Timmy, and we had him on the show many, many times, and. Uh, Timmy un unfortunately passed away a couple of weeks ago. Ah. He got uh, got cancer and, and passed away. Rest in peace for sure. Yep. 
Um, so, Pop, so you were born the same year as my grandfather, and like my mom, she has a lot of friends that are, you know, a little bit older towards your age, and my grandfather's end of his life was in very rough shape, and a lot of my mom's older friends are in rough shape. But you, you mean, you're still full of life, you know, so like, what is it that keeps you going? You know, because like a lot of people, like, a lot of people, you know, they have low life energy force, but you, you're still up and going. You still work a full time right. job. Yeah, exactly. So what is it that really, you know, keeps you going? Not trying to be rude by any means, obviously. No. But like you see other people your age that yeah. just are kind of zombies. Mm -hmm. No offense to those people, but yeah. it's just you and my mom have like energy exactly. and always trying to get through always, each day with always purpose. Always been sharp. Always have drive. The, 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 the thing that gets me started in the morning is when I leave the house and I get a kiss from my wife. When I come home, I get a kiss from my wife. Um, I've had had the opportunity to to uh, be the only coach for some of my grandkids from uh, soft uh, from flag football through football, uh, and that's that's helped. But and right now I have a job. That I really probably should be paying them. I'm having more goddamn fun <laughs> on the job because the people are people are good people. Uh, we laugh. We have a great time, and uh, you know, like I have um, every morning, the, the guy, lady from the from the cafe brings me a cup of coffee. There's a, a broker um, who brings uh, don't eat donuts or bagels every morning, so I get one of those. Uh, sometimes when they have uh, People coming in the afternoon with lunches, they'll bring a lunch down to me. Um, They're treating you like, treating you right. They do. They treat oh, yeah. me. They treat me very well, and and we have a great time together. It's uh, you know, I can have, I can tell people uh, you know, a lot of things. You know, like, <laughs> and they they take it with a, a grain of salt, and it's it's a lot of fun. So it seems like you live a very not not carefree, but like stress-free, yeah, anxiety-free. You kind of just take things as they come. And that's kind of how I try to, you know, take life too, just take things as they come. But, mm -hmm. you know, obviously it's not easy, but how, how do you try to push away the anxieties that come with life? You know, you handle them. Mm -hmm. You know, life isn't, isn't a bowl of cherries. Mm -hmm. There's certain things that certain people in, that I have some major problems with that I try to work through. Mm -hmm. But... The thing is, I try to keep it positive. Keep a positive attitude. If you keep a positive attitude, it'll usually get you through everything. And if you have a good partner that will back you up, that gets you through everything. And that's that's what that's what makes life go around. You're talking about how you're you're still working. You're 79 years old, and you see people my age, and and people Logan's age, and Brady's age, and Trevor's age, and just our entire generation. In, you know, in as a whole, you've had a lot of jobs throughout your lifetime. You've been working since you were how old? Seven. Seven. <laughs> People shit. now do not want to work. They're no. they're not going to work. They're purposely working not, from home. Exactly working like just doing bum shit. For Anything they no can reason. do to not have to do anything. They're trying all. to the easiest path. Those are people trying to look for now the easiest path. What do you say to the people that like to go the easy way through everything in life? You're missing a whole lot. Mm. What are they uh, missing? The, the the whole experience. Um, you know, I I started with a paper route, and then I went to selling uh, fruit off a huckster's truck, which is a guy with fruit and vegetables. We'd go around door to door, 
Uh, you know, I learned commission sales that way. I learned mm. what it's like to not get paid and eat off the truck, make sure you got something to eat. Yeah. Um, I learned uh, some very powerful lessons of how to treat people and make sure that you never, ever shit on anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you do, you apologize for it. Huh. Um, you know, I, I have a problem with this this socialism where everybody thinks they're entitled. There's an entitlement coming to them. Mm-hmm. I have a major problem with that because you know I work for everything I got, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and I think everybody should do the same. But if they don't, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. <clears throat> so I was saying this to my sister yesterday, Pop. She's 19 years old. She's around that age that Caden's talking about. And I kind of said to her, I feel like you kind of agree with this, but I told her Tom Brady has seven rings. Do you think he got? You think he just got by? Mm-hmm. No, he busted his ass every yeah. single day. Sure. Michael Jordan got six rings. I think he was just easing through. No, he was in the gym busting his ass every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. LeBron James worked so hard he got drafted out of high school. Mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant, Dwight mm-hmm. Howard. And it takes hard work to get there. Mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant's father helped him out though. He did yeah. Yeah, his, his, he played for the. For, for, was it the Sixers or did he play for the Warriors? He might played Joe Bryant, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he also played over, overseas. Yeah, I don't know whether it was the Sixers or the Warriors. I think it was the Sixers. Yeah. Uh, but Kobe was good. I mean, he, he, he went to Overbrook High. Yeah, Kobe grew up in Philadelphia. Yeah. I remember Kobe was talking about how he had a good workout with the Sixers and they said that he wasn't what they were looking for. Wow. They said he didn't have the it factor. <laughs> and then he goes to the He Lakers. is the it factor. He he if you can believe he is the, the it factor. He is the it factor. He yeah. is the it factor. Yeah. Which is insane to think about. Kobe defines the it factor. Mm-hmm. But, um, Pops, I mean, this has been a fantastic first interview for us. Exactly. Yeah, We're honored to have you on. I'm honored you, to be here. You run, you run a great network over on Blog Talk again. If you're listening to this, Fighting Words Radio Network on blogtalk.com. Wednesdays and Saturdays, are there, are, you'll hear Butch uh, at home on the mic, and we have our Tuesday show on there as well. Um, please give him a click, give him a listen. It's, it's a great show about MMA, UFC. Did anyone else have a closeout message for, for today? Caden, anything you I mean, wanted to say? I think we pretty much you know rounded it all off, and Pop said it's... Nice. Yeah, thank you for being on yeah, here again. It's my pleasure. It's it's always it's always great to have yeah. new people and you know always have new conversation. That's what we're always looking for to kind of reach more and more people. And as you've always done a you've always known so many people and you've always had so many great stories to tell. And there's uh, another good conversation with you. Yeah, also, many more. by having people on the show, we 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 teach people about life and mm-hmm. with experience. with these, we with our experiences we learn from pop we learn about his like through all through our lives we've, we've heard many of these stories oh yeah just to reach out and touch more people and it's, know, it's saved forever it's through it's the airways now like anybody can listen to it when they want to it's a good conversation and i would mm-hmm. like to shout out to our few listeners abroad across the pond i was looking at our analytics page uh, if you're in Brussels right now, in Belgium, much love. If you're in Nigeria, we had two <laughs> listeners in Nigeria. Yeah, shout out. I'm not going to butcher the city, but uh, shout out. Thank shout you for out. listening. We really appreciate the support and, and Pops. Uh, again, thank you so much for coming on. It's, yeah. been a, it's been a great time. We're glad that we could voice your stories and your experiences so that not only people can learn, but 
you can genuinely have more of a legacy out there for yourself because you deserve it. It's probably well, be the last my, time you're on the show either. Mm-hmm. No, my, you're, well, you're more than welcome on anytime you want. My point of pride is my four grandsons. They grew up without a father. They grew up in, in not what would be great in, in, in a very nice house, a very structured house, but they have done more for themselves and helped each other. And the fact that at this point in time, they are so close, that is a point that everybody should know. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest, that's, anybody asks me any, what, what my main thing in life is, that's it, my grandkids. The biggest accomplishment. And when, we, when Bobby and Bella get, uh, get old enough, I'm sure it's gonna be the same thing. Oh yeah, 100%. So. Shout well, out to Bobby and Bella as well. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, sorry, thank you, Bob. Thank, thank you for being on. Bobby. This has been the finale of season one for Tea Time Reports. We got a lot coming for season two. And it's been a great, very exciting season. It's been a great first season. So thank you for supporting the the crew here, and we really appreciate it. Have a great rest of your Sunday, everyone. Take care. <laughs>